Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the City Place Church Podcast. Please join me in a moment of prayer before we get started. Heavenly Father, thank you for the person listening to this prayer. I ask that you would help open their mind and their heart and that you would speak directly to them through today's message. In the name of your son, my brother, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Hey, good morning, City Place Church. I'm so excited that you're here this morning. I believe that God has something so special for us. But before we get started, I want you to have your Bible and some notes. So it's not too late. You can go to cityplacechurch.com backslash notes. Go ahead and get them in your hand. I am a paper kind of girl, and I know that when God speaks to us, we need to catch it in Jesus' name. So go ahead and get your Bible, get the notes, and let's lean all the way in. This morning, Pastor has been talking to us over the last couple of weeks about setting the tone. And as we have come out of our 21 days of prayer and fasting, first of all, let me be the first to say, I hope you had a great breakfast this morning. I hope that you had everything that you wanted on your plate as you've been faithful and diligently leaning into God. You know, but we are here this morning on day 22. And so many times when we think about 21 days of prayer and fasting, we are thinking about whatever it is that is the finish line, whatever it is that's the goal. But this morning, God has something unique and special to speak to us as we stand in day 22 of setting the tone. What does it mean when God asks us to set the tone of our lives and what do we do with it? That is where we find ourselves this morning. By way of very quick recap, we said this, setting the tone means to establish a quality. It's a feeling or an attitude by manner of speaking or writing. It establishes the mood of something. It's the manner in which something is conducted. And this morning, we are setting the tone. We are catching the mood of God. We are figuring out what he has said during our time of prayer and fasting and where he's going with us. You know, I love this series. I love this idea of setting the tone because it reminds me that every year, every time at the beginning of something, we are to be diligent in including God first. In fact, we said this, that the focus of our time of prayer is is not to get answered requests, but time for us to have communication with God. And I wonder what you would say this morning if you just gave yourself your own pulse check. You don't have to turn it into me. I'm not going to ask you to drop it in the chat today. But we're in day 22, and so how did you come with that? Did you, in looking back in your 21 days, did you uh, simply make prayers? Did you, were you diligent in your prayer time? Were you diligent in pushing away the plate in some instances? Or did you spend some time with God? We said this during our time of prayer on our team uh, meetups that if anything were to come out of this and, and our time was spent with God, communing with God, it would have been time well spent. So I wonder, how are you on day 22? You know, a while ago, I was watching a reality TV show. It was a show by Mark Cuban. He was trying to to determine if he could find new business leaders, young business leaders with fresh ideas to run some of his companies and and that ones that had entrepreneurial uh, characteristics. And so I curiously watched this uh, reality TV show only to come to the final episode where he decided to do something very interesting. Instead of naming a winner that would get 
prizes and time spent in mentorship with him. Instead of doing that, he took the final two candidates, brought them in to the set and said, I'm sorry, but you were not selected. He didn't tell one person that and one person congratulations. No, that's not what he did. He, he told both candidates, I'm sorry, you haven't been selected. And so then the cameras followed both candidates as they were in the car going to their next destination. They were kind of giving a post TV show synopsis and showing their raw emotions. For one of the candidates, uh, they get in the car and they were frustrated. Well, that's fine. He didn't know who I was. He didn't know who, what I had to offer and, and that's okay. And I'm going to move on. And you know what? It's fine. It's, it's, it's like, I'm going to make it. Another candidate got into the car and said this, this was such a learning experience. I am still so incredibly grateful for the opportunity to have met and rubbed shoulders with the billionaire who I very much admire. I don't even remember the name of the television show, but the truth is, is that response stuck with me so greatly that it wasn't just the outcome that these two individuals were after, but it was the character of their heart. And in that spirit this morning, I want to, us to focus our efforts as we finish our series on Set the Tone with this subtitle, The Morning After. Now, a lot of times if I say the morning after, you got a lot of connotations that go through your mind. We've been told that the morning after, sometimes we have regrets. We, we sometimes feel that the morning after, we're thinking about what we did the night before. Maybe we're, we're a little tired or our bodies are exhausted, or we're having regrets over some of the choices that we made the evening before. When we say the, no, the morning after, a lot of times people think of something negative. But my first thought was this reality TV show not in the spirit of a day or a night, the morning or the night after, but in this idea that what happens after the thing? What happens after the thing happens? And this is where we're going to dive into today as we see that God has the same questions for us, just like Mark Cuban, where he says, now we're in day 22 of the fast. What happens next? Will you turn in your Bibles with me to Luke in the 24th chapter, Luke 24, we're going to begin uh, reading uh, here in this story. And it'll be a very familiar passage for some. For some of you, you never read this story. But one of the things that pastor has been sharing with us is this idea that prayer leads our life. And that what happens in the spirit happens first before we see things in the natural. Another thing that he said is, uh, as we explored the nature of Jesus, that Jesus goes into many scenes and he disrupts them. We found out a couple of weeks ago that he went into the temple, he started flipping over tables because the secular, the things from the outside world had invaded the sacred. My question for you this morning is how on day 22 do we get the sacred to invade our secular? See, Jesus was flipping over tables because the secular things that didn't belong in his house, didn't belong in, in his people's minds, didn't need for it to be crowding up space, had invaded the, uh, the sacred places. But how do we get the sacred nature of Jesus that we've just experienced together over the last 21 days into our secular lives? Today, we're going to be talking about every day. We're going to be talking about normal days. We're going to be talking about normal people and our normal behaviors in normal days. So let me set the tone of what's actually happening in the scene of Luke 24. See, 63 years before Christ, the Roman Empire had invaded Jerusalem. 
And what this meant is that when the Romans came in with their full force, they were managing the political affairs, the financial affairs, the governance structure, and imposed new taxes. They reorganized cities and appointed new leaders. And what this meant is that the Jews were allowed to exist, but instead of being the dominant nation and culture, they were now the subdominant or the non-dominant culture. High taxation from the Roman government meant a couple of things for the Jewish people. You see, they were still required to pay Roman taxes to Caesar, as we're very well aware. But in addition, as a practicing Jew, they were still required to bring tithe an offering as some of God's people. This mandate for their culture and their heritage hadn't gone away. This left the Jews in extreme poverty, paying both incredibly high taxes to Rome and also bringing in their tithes and offering. In many cases, not only were the Jews poor, but they had to actually turn in their land to the government in order to pay taxes or make amends for some of the shortfalls. Therefore, many of the Jewish people were earnestly believing that there would be a sort of second exodus in which someone, some savior, would come and overturn the government. It is with this hope that Christ is born. It's in this environment where Jesus is on the scene. It's in this setting of hopefulness for a literal person to revolutionize the actual nation where Jesus comes and makes his presence known. The only problem is that a few days before uh, Luke 24, where we're about to dive into, Jesus has just been crucified. And that means that the only hope, the ones that the disciples had secretly put all of their hope in, not just for spiritual things, but for the practical things too, they felt that Jesus would overturn it, had created a new government because he was truly the king. He was gone. Jesus was now gone. The hope of their hearts, somebody that could come and help people rescue, rescue them from poverty and bring back hope again was now gone. And here we find in Luke 24, beginning in verse 13, where Jesus comes back on the scene to the very people who are so devastated. And it says this, Now the same day two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. And one of them named Cleopas said, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? What things, he asked, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, a powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is now the third day since all this took place. And in addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. 
And he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did the Messiah not have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. I want to pause right there for just a moment because we're going to dissect this today. Jesus did some funny things as he was approaching two men on their way to another village, about two hours or so of a walk outside of where they were in Jerusalem. It says that they are on the road to Emmaus. The curious part of me says, I can't believe that Jesus would come up along two men. We only know the name of one of them, which tells me that Jesus is uninterested in pomp and circumstance. He doesn't care that these are just two individuals who happen to be heartbroken, who are discussing the promises and the hope that they had. The Bible says that they were kept from recognizing him and Jesus, just as cool as a cucumber, said, what y'all talking about? It's so interesting, the Bible says that they were walking uh, at, on this road to Emmaus and they were talking, just the two of them, one to another. And Jesus says, so what y'all talking about and, and, and what things have transpired? And what was happening in this particular instance is that Jesus was doing a little digging. He was doing a little reconnaissance work. He was making sure that he understood the condition of their heart the morning after. You see, so often when we think of Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, it's a day where we wear white and put out eggs and everybody's smiling and we're saying he is risen, but this wasn't the sentiment on the very first Easter. In fact, these men felt very much abandoned and disappointed and confused because not only was it the third day, but his body was also gone. What were they to think? But I love this part because Jesus doesn't just stop there. The Bible says that they were about to continue on and to go uh, a stop for the evening. And Jesus does this. I love the scripture. It says this in verse 28. Watch. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening and the day is almost over. So we went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from, her, from their sight. And they said to each other, were not our, heart, our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it's true, the Lord has risen and he has appeared to Simon. I love the part of that verse that talks about Jesus being invited to dinner, but before he did that, he acted like he was gonna go on to the next town. Ah, oh, Jesus has a sense of humor because he's like, you know what, I'm gonna fake these guys out. I'm gonna pull a Mark Cuban on them. I'm not gonna tell them what's really gonna happen, where I'm really going with this. I'm just gonna keep acting like I'm going. I like that it said, the Bible said he just acted like he was going to go further. What was he doing? He was making sure that the men desired to invite him in with them. You see, God is such a gentleman. He doesn't come into our lives busting out with full force saying, I'm here. Everybody stop the press. No, he says, I need you to want me. I need you to come and desire me. And I need you to invite me into your world. 
at the dinner table, we see Jesus and these two men uh, breaking bread together. And this is symbolic for a number of reasons. This gives us the representation, having a meal together, taking their time. This would have been where they were reclining at the table. This wasn't a rushed experience. This wasn't a quick drive-by through the drive-through. This was a time for friends to relax for the evening. You see, this moment represented both physical and spiritual digestion of what had just taken place. In the natural, of course, they were digesting their meal, but in the spirit, these men had their hearts and their minds had been awakened just a few moments earlier as they were on the road. Jesus was modeling for us that in every circumstance, as he lifted up the bread, that in every circumstance, we are to give thanks. You see, times weren't perfect. There were times in, in hope and the men were with hope and without. It was before they had seen it with their own eyes and after their devastation. It was whether or not they understood what was taking place or they had no idea what God was up to. Jesus says, I am modeling for you now to give thanks. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 tells us this, rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. See, even now, God is telling us it is your opportunity to set the tone. And by the way, set the tone has nothing to do with the circumstances being perfect. It has nothing to do with it being how you hoped. Setting the tone is a lifestyle. You find that in your notes this morning because God wants to speak to us all these years later that it makes no difference of what's happening or what's not happening. So let your heart be settled this morning. Setting the tone is God's invitation to you, but it is a choice nonetheless. You see, throughout the time from when the Bible says the men were on the road to even when they were sitting at the, the dinner table that evening, that God had disguised himself that he didn't look like himself, that he maybe didn't sound like himself, so much so that they didn't even understand that they were walking along with the Savior. Now, I wonder how many times in life we've had disguised disappointments. I wonder how many times God has tried to reach us and speak to us and speak to our heart and soothe our anxious souls, but it comes in a package that we are not expecting. There is something for us to glean this morning, and we're going to take a small pit stop here as we talk about the importance of some of these things we often underestimate. The first thing that we can't underestimate when we're dealing with God is who you're talking to. It's your first blank in the notes. You can't underestimate who you're talking to. The Bible says that the two men are talking amongst themselves to each other. They're walking along the road, and it's just them two. They're talking about the events that have just take, taken place and transpired. And, and the note is this. They are both talking to each other and each other alone. And I know that's obvious, but let's think about this morning uh, what that means. We are limited by those in our circle of influence. We're limited by our thoughts and experiences. We're limited in who we ask for, for advice. We're limited in how we ask for mentorship or feedback or spiritual shepherding. People can sway you. And it says that Jesus goes up to him and he says, what are you discussing? And I wonder this, uh, this morning how many times Jesus has asked us, what are you talking about? How have you gotten yourself all worked up? Wh who, who is in your circle of influence? Because 
Whatever they know is all they know. And that means that's all that you know. Who are you talking to this morning? The other thing that we cannot underestimate the importance of is how you are processing it. You know, Jesus never promised. And on the road to Emmaus, we see he is now dead. He is no longer there. He is no longer what they expected. And they are left there to process for themselves without their master. The question is, no matter what's happening in your world today, how are you processing it? I learned this uh, a couple of, of years ago to, to understand the characteristics of God before I understood the nature of God. What do you mean by that? I started studying out who God was in the scripture. I started studying out who he said he would never not be to me, that there would never be a time that he would fail, that there would never be a time where he didn't call himself the I am, that he would never be a time that he would not take the name healer. There would never be a characteristic that I couldn't understand of him. And therefore, regardless of what my eyes saw, I could understand the nature of God. The question this morning is, how are you processing what you're going through as you set the tone for your life this year? Verse 19 says, he prompted him. So what things have happened in Jerusalem? He didn't say, he didn't lie to him and say, well, I don't know what you're talking about. He just asked prompting questions. He was trying to get to the layers underneath their heart that says, oh yeah, this is what, what happened, but this is how they responded. Just after verse 19, it says, they said, he said, what kinds of, what things have happened? And this is what they said. Well, there was Jesus and he was a prophet. And then the people crucified him. And then it says this, he was sentenced to death. We'd hoped that he was the one that was going to come redeem Israel. And what's more, this is the third day. We, rec we remember that he said something about the third day and it's the third day and he's still not here. He was trying to uncover the layers of saying, oh, now I understand. It's not that my word, my nature, my promises have changed. You're just processing it with limited information. The third thing this morning that we can't underestimate in our time is we set the tone. Don't take this for granted. Don't brush this off. Don't be light about this one. We can't underestimate how we might need to rework our original expectation. Go with me to verse 26. It says this, Jesus is speaking, and he said to him, How foolish are you, and how slow of heart to believe that all the prophets have spoken. Did not Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? He was saying to them, I know that you took my word and you spent time with me and you created the highlight reel. You created a narrative for yourself that was only the best parts of this story. I told you that there would be a kingdom that would have no end and you created for yourself a narrative that you wanted to hear. I know that's what you did. But did the scripture also not say that I would have to suffer? Did the scripture also not say that Christ needed to suffer before entering into the glory. You see, when we're walking with God, we can't skip steps. There's not pieces of the word that we like that get to fit us and suit us and pieces that we get to ignore. Christ is telling them, I want you to trust me at my whole word. 
So what do we do as we see Christ has made his journey and spoken to even our hearts? We draw the correlations this morning into what he's speaking and how, what does it mean for us? Because as we find these two gentlemen on the morning after, we find ourselves also with critical decisions to make as we set the tone. Christ shares with them and he is trying to get into them a couple of key concepts and this will be where we conclude our time this morning. Christ is telling them uh, as he is keeping himself hidden both on the road and as they're eating in the meal. I know we've spent all these years together. We've shared many a meals and heart and we've shared miracles, but you've seen me in my physical body. And I need to wean you off of that because I will no longer be here with you. And I wonder if you've ever experienced a time in life where you feel like God is zigzagging, where he's changing the script, where he's doing something different. You see, we all want God to do a new thing. We can quote Isaiah chapter 40, God, you do a new thing. Yes, I perceive it. I see it springing up. But when God does a new thing, that means he does a new thing. It means it's unfamiliar to us. It means that we have to understand and hear a new voice that we've never heard before. And I want to encourage you this morning. That doesn't mean that God has left you and it doesn't mean that, he's done, that you've done something wrong. It means that Christ is weaning you. This is in your notes. It says, Christ wants to wean you from what you have seen with your eyes to what you know him to be in your heart. See, Christ was standing before these gentlemen and, and we can put the dots together that they were with Christ and that, that they at least understood what was happening in his walk. But he was saying, the script is flipped now and I need you to get off my body. I need you not to depend on me to break the bread and, and, and feed the millions. I'm going to start doing that through you now. I need you to wean you off of this one way so that you can understand that a new way is coming. And it's going to involve you in a way that you're not familiar with, and that's okay. I'm weaning you off of what you can see, and I'm helping you understand what you know to be true. It doesn't matter if you can see it or not. It's, the Bible says that the women, uh, the men that followed the women at the tomb in verse 24, it says that the people followed the women, saw Jesus at the tomb, but they didn't see him. The men are walking along the road of Emmaus, but they couldn't see him. He's sitting there at dinner, but they couldn't see him. Jesus was pretending to walk on and they couldn't see him. It's because he was doing something new and fresh. It's as though I would take a blindfold and put it over your eyes. If you and I were great friends, but you no longer had the ability to see and I strapped a, a, a strap over your eyes and still continued speaking to you, leading you through new places of wilderness, places that were unknown and foreign to you. Or maybe I took you out of your element. Maybe it would take you out of the house that you're so familiar with and the places that you know. You know that the, the end table is just here and the stand is just here. If I begin to give you unfamiliar places without the ability to see, you have to rely on new senses. And this is what Jesus is saying in this passage. Boys, I won't be with you anymore, but I need you to connect the dots. I need you to understand that I'm bigger than just my physical body. I need you to know that I'm not just a man who walked the earth. I am God. 
I need you to connect the dots that all throughout the scripture, it has been pointing to me all along. I am God after all that has been here since the beginning of time. So work with me, flow with me, connect the dots at how I am at work in your life. Because in this moment, you feel disappointed. But the truth is, I have been here since Moses. And I wonder how many of us, if you, this morning, if you're leaning into God and have never watched this program before, how many of us would say that perhaps the Lord has already done it, but I just don't know it yet. You see, these gentlemen didn't know that their whole sense of disappointment was actually not true at all. That it was this Jesus where they had placed all of their hope and trust that was literally standing before them. There are so many times where we are praying and, and seeking God and wiping the floor and even times being disappointed with God. Only times when he says, I've actually already done it. You just haven't stepped into it yet. I laid all the groundwork in the spirit. In my kingdom, it is already finished. I've already declared it. I'm just waiting for you to walk it out. You see, our disappointments get displaced. And if we're not careful, they play tricks on us. He says to these men, you were waiting for the freedom of Israel, but I came to offer salvation to the whole world. Will you get in line with the flow that I'm creating something bigger here? And I need you to understand that your disappointments, I'm here for them. I want to know, I want to know what the things are, but I want to show you and back it up a little bit because this is just a figment and a fragment of your, uh, a fragment of time and a figment of your imagination. Sometimes our day 22, how we set the tone means that we must throw our shoulders back and lift up our chin and start again and push through and carry the resilience of Christ. Because what lies ahead, we are walking into with full authority. I don't know who you are this morning, but perhaps you would say, Pastor Ty, I am setting the tone for my life in good times, in bad times, whether I see that God has done it in these 21 days or whether I'm still holding fast to something I just haven't seen yet. You could be a person that has hope filled in your heart for all that God has done and, and you are celebrating this morning or perhaps you have things that your heart is still hoping for. Either way, Jesus is walking alongside of the road asking you, well, how do you see it? Share your heart with me. And will you leave me as God at the center? Will you not change my character based on what you see this morning? It's his invitation to each of us. If that resonates with you this morning, or if you feel like God is prompting you or even encouraging you to set the tone, even the morning after, day 22 of your prayer and fast, we'd love to hear about it. We'd love for you to drop us a line and and share with us today how the message has influenced your life and encouraged you today. We would love some feedback from you as you're watching online. Go ahead and drop it in the chat or drop us a line if it's private so we can celebrate and pray with you that God would be truly magnified in your life this day 22. Now for some of you, you've been in the place where you say, Pastor Ty, this sounds great, but 
You talk about this Jesus and you talk about his road and his walk, but the truth is, is I know this morning that one of my commitments on day 22 is to lean into God and to develop a stronger relationship with him. And I would be crazy this morning if I didn't offer you the opportunity for a, a stronger relationship with your God today. Because for me, the morning after is not a morning of disappointment. It's not a day of mourning. It's not a day of hopelessness, but one filled with hope because of what Christ did. You see, when Christ was walking with this man, uh, he already had risen from the tomb. He had already been crucified, but he also rose again. And this is the Jesus we serve this morning. Maybe you would say, I know that it's my time, that it's time for me to have a right relationship with Christ. And friend, I'd love to pray with you in the few moments we have left together. It's a very simple prayer that simply declares, Jesus, I believe, not just all those years ago, that you're not just a God of history, but you're a God of my today. I accept you freely as my Lord, as my Savior, and I declare that you are God. Will you repeat this prayer after me if that's resonating within your heart this morning? Go ahead and repeat this prayer. Say, Jesus, I declare this morning that you died for me that you rose again and you are fully God. God, I give you my day 22 and all the days to come. I'm your child and you are my God. The Bible says that when we make that declaration that all of heaven begins to throw a party. They are excited and worshiping the Father and so excited that we've increased our family members this morning and that's you. We would love to know who you are. We know that it gets a little tough sometimes out there to, to honor God with our very lives and we want to get you some resources and the ability to get plugged into a life-giving church community. Will you drop us a line right now to let us know that you made that bold decision to let us know that you've decided today to follow and accept Jesus. Well done. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm excited to set the tone. I'm not worried about what 2022 has. I am excited to set the tone in every circumstance of what God has for us. How about you, church? Well, this is our time of honoring God. We bring our tithe and our offering, much like the Jewish people did all those years ago. God's precepts have not changed, and we bring the tithe into his storehouse. It's how we honor God. It's the first 10% of all of our income that comes in. And whether you're watching us and you're a part of our online family, or you attend City Place Church and are traveling this week, or maybe just at home, we invite you to honor God with your finances faithfully. You can go to cityplacechurch.com backslash give. We like to make it easy and use technology. So if you prefer to do that online or via text, you are more than welcome to do that via the link that will get you to where we need. Let me pray for you quickly as we honor God with our giving. And I wanna give you a couple, just a couple quick pieces of information about things to come. God, I thank you for all that you're doing in this house. Thank you for the people that are generous, God, and faithful to you. I thank you, Lord, that you're giving us a new resilience that we have not had before. We honor you, Lord, with our very lives, and we thank you for the ability to have increase in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, City Place, there's so much happening in the life of our church. We've got small groups launching this upcoming season. Ah, it's my favorite time of year. I love city groups at City Place because whether you're virtual or in person, we have groups for you for men, women, youth, 
we have young adults, all kinds of groups are there. Now listen, if you're feeling like there's a group and I just, I really want this kind of group, well, maybe God is calling you to lead one. So even if you're interested in leading a small group, we've got training resources. We're ready, come on. You wanna lead a group, you can send some information and get that rolling. If you feel like God is calling you to step up into new areas of leadership, whether it be virtual or in person, this is the season for you. I'm so excited about all God, that all that God is doing at City Place Church. I don't know, can you feel it? Can you feel God on the move already this year? I'm so blown away by all of the opportunities we get to gather. And I'm looking forward to seeing your face. I hope we always won't be screen to screen. I hope that we'll see our faces together in service where we can hug each other's neck and honor God in the time of worship live in person in Orlando. And I'm looking forward to that day. All right, City Place, I want you to have the best most awesome, amazing week that you are gonna honor God in every circumstance. And I can't wait to hear all about it and see you here next week, same time, same place. Have a great week. Thanks for tuning in. We hope that you've been encouraged by today's message. Stay connected by subscribing to the City Place Church podcast, following us on Instagram, checking us out on Facebook, or by visiting our website, www.cityplacechurch.com. Enjoy the rest of your day.